and I stuck a blank cassette in and pressed play and record and in about 20 to 25 minutes I uh, wrote a song. I ran to FedEx, stuck it in the envelope, sent it to Nashville. Then I got to thinking about it. I thought, I can make that song better. That's stupid to not spend more time on it than that. So I called Linda Hilliard, my friend uh -huh. here, and said, hey, tell truth not to record the song. I, I, I think I can make it better. I like the idea, but I think I can make it better. So she said, okay, I'll tell them. So about three weeks later, she goes, oh, by the way, Truth loved the song. They recorded it. You know, I'm a young writer kid, mm -hmm. and I had been so intent on getting that song to them that I made one copy, stuck all my copies in that envelope, and yeah. sent it to Nashville. And three weeks later, she says that, I couldn't even remember how the song went. So, no no lie. I waited for Truth's record to come out and went down to Living Vine Bookstore in Irving, yeah. Texas and bought the record and took it home so I could remember how my song went. What's funny is it wound up being a chart song, a radio song for him. It goes like this. Gentle hands along the way. I'm John Matarazzo, your host and fellow traveler. Thank you for joining me along my way as I try to become more like Jesus every day. I love talking with fascinating people and learning how God has met them along their way. Through my work as a television producer, God has connected me with some incredibly gifted people who are making a huge impact for his kingdom. When I read the Bible, I really appreciate the book of Psalms. I think about it as King David's journal filled with prayers and songs. When we know the stories behind the songs, they become even more powerful, and I know that I appreciate those words even more. In this episode of Along the Way, my journey connects me with gospel worship legend Jaron Davis. He has written many amazing gospel songs, including one of my favorites, Holy Ground. I've gotten to know Jaron and his family group, Kindred Souls, from their many visits to Cornerstone Television Network, and we immediately hit it off. When I was in Nashville, Jaron and I connected at Christ Church to record this conversation. The stories behind his songs will bless you. They have already been a big encouragement to me. I'll get to the interview in just a moment, but I want to let you know that you can hear all of my episodes, even the ones that you've missed, by visiting alongtheway.media or subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram, so you can follow me there. And you can keep in touch by emailing me at johnalongtheway at gmail.com. My social links and web address are in the show notes. I'd love to hear from you. And now, here is my Along the Way conversation and the stories behind the songs with Jaron Davis. Jaron Davis, thank you so much for being on Along the Way. It's a pleasure to have you on my podcast. John, it is a joy to be anywhere in the world with you. We've been friends for a number of years, yeah. and I am uh, 
always happy to get to hang with you because we were talking earlier about how it felt like the first time we met from i mean not day one minute one right we just clicked and we were we had been brothers all our lives, and we've just had so many great, great times with you guys uh, yeah. at Cornerstone. And when you called and uh, told me what you were doing and coming to Nashville, I was like, absolutely. Absolutely. Anything yeah. to get to see and hang out with you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think the first time that we met, you guys came to you and the Kindred Souls, which right. is made up of your wife, Becky, your sister, Allison, and your brother-in-law, Shelton. Right. You guys came to do music for a couple of days for right. a telethon that we were doing. That's right. And so you weren't just in and out. You got to actually spend some time with us. And so... And we filmed more. We did the telethon at night. Right. And then we filmed some other shows during the day. So we yeah. were together like hours a and day. And we kept you pretty busy. Pretty it was busy. fun. It was but fun. We, but we got a chance to, because sometimes those telethons, you go in, they show up right at time. You're mm-hmm. doing your thing. We're doing our thing. When it's over, everybody's exhausted. So we all go collapse in our respective exactly. yeah. places. But we got to actually spend time together and go to lunch and hang mm-hmm. out and shoot this show and, and that we were taping for future yeah uh, things so we we got to spend a lot of time and every time we came up there we found uh time to hang out and laugh yeah. and and try to find something to do outside of the studio too, right which is we always which did is great yeah that was fun yeah and one of the things that i was super excited about was okay i you know i would hear you guys practice and then perform on the, the telethon for the music that night but when i found out that you are the guy that wrote the song holy ground I just about fell over because I'm like, wow, that song has really meant a lot in my life. At least the chorus part, because that's mm-hmm. what always has right. stuck. Right. I think that's what we did in my church. Right. I don't remember the verses as much. Right. But when I heard that, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is the guy that wrote a song that has meant a lot in my life. And he's my friend. I didn't even know that yet. So I'd like to hear about how God has brought you on this musical journey where music is a big part of your life it's not the only thing in your life but it's a major part of your life yeah it it definitely is the um center lane yeah of of what i do i am a pastor's kid mm-hmm. born into a pastor's home um i'm the oldest of four i thank the lord for that because i believe if god let you be born first he intended for you to be the boss and so <laughs> i threw everything i had into developing that boss ministry over my three younger yeah. siblings but you know my dad's ministry was building churches mm-hmm. and he would go to a little church build it up to you know 150 200 people smaller community mm-hmm. and it was a considered a big church in that area right. he'd get somebody he knew and trusted and to end to be the pastor he'd go to another place another little that was my life growing up so which meant that um when your dad and mom are the pastors of a small church and you're the oldest of of the kids that meant you all did everything right i mean we were involved in you know so i started playing when i was five years old uh I went to piano lessons in first grade. That's back when they would let you start first grade at five. And um, I started piano lessons, but I had a a great ear. Mm-hmm. And I would go home and I was listening to albums by, you know, the popular gospel people back when I was a kid were, uh, you know, the Rambos and the Happy Goodman family and those mm-hmm. kind of people. And so I would listen to those records and 
I would go to the piano and pick out those songs. But when I would go back for my lesson, I didn't know my lesson <laughs> because I hadn't practiced it. But I would tell the teacher, I forgot how it goes. She uh-huh. would sit down and play it. Okay. Then I would sit down and play exactly what she played. Oh, wow. And she was like, oh, good job. So I had a really great ear. Yeah, yeah. But it was a little false sense of security. After about three weeks, she kind of caught on to what I was doing. Okay. And uh, so one day she sat down and, you know, same Uh routine. I can't remember how it goes. Uh She sits down and she plays a different song. Okay. Than the one on the thing, and I sat down and played exactly <laughs> what she had just played. So I was busted. Yeah, she busted. And, uh, and so she went to my parents and um, and told them. She said, "You know, he's five. Um, he's still a little immature. He's got a great ear, but you're wasting your money, mm-hmm. and and you know we're wasting the time. Right. W- take him out, and when he matures some, then bring him back, and we'll we'll get him going, going again. And I'm." I never matured. I'm. I'm still. She had given me enough. <laughs> yeah. To start picking out songs, I knew how to make chords and stuff, mm-hmm. and I, I would practice for hours a day, and yeah, I just still never matured. But but my wife has committed, uh, in the interest of all teachers, that as soon as I do mature, she's taking me back. <laughs> So I'll, I'll, I'll get it. But I, I, I grew up playing and singing in church. I think yeah. I played for church the first time when I was about um, eight. Oh, wow. Okay. I played in church uh, on a Wednesday night. Do you remember what you played? I don't. Okay. I don't. I just know my dad told me ahead of time what we were going to play. And my dad was a great singer, played guitar. My mom was a great singer, played piano. Um, me and all my siblings all sing and play instruments. We all married people who play. Mm-hmm. Uh, our kids play. Uh, my son is a is a drummer. My daughter is a member of the Christchurch Choir. She's a phenomenal singer. Does session work. And that's my where son, we're recording this interview right now. Yeah, the, and you know this this comes into the picture in my journey of when I started writing songs as a teenager. I, I was living about two, a little over two hours from here. Okay. My dad was pastoring in Savannah, Tennessee. And uh, Pastor Hardwick, who, who grew this church and, mm-hmm. and was pastor here like 60 years, um, he, um, he was friends of ours, and we would go to these big camp meetings. And as a teenager, I would play for him. Mm. I would play piano for the camp meetings. He would lead the singing. He's a great singer. So we became friends, his family and and, and uh, our family and my dad preached here, and we, we, we became close. Um, and then uh, Landy Gardner started the Christchurch Choir, yeah. and uh, Joy, uh, his wife, who's the redhead on the Gaither videos that was uh, okay. the singer in the Downings years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were my friends, and I would come here and play uh, sometimes for special events landy would have me play the organ this is when i'm I'm a teenager and so Mm -hmm. i started a group we started traveling and singing me and my brother and some guys in the church and um i started writing some songs and some of them weren't that great but you know i was 15 to 16 years old right okay you gotta start somewhere yeah and uh but they were they were okay i mean Mm -hmm. they weren't horrible my dad bought us a van and trailer we traveled and sang 
And we came to Nashville and recorded at the Oak Ridge Boys studio our first record. Okay. had several songs on there that I had written. And and it just encouraged me. You know, everybody in my little church would say, oh, that's a great song, you know. And it just squirted lighter fluid on my fire Uh to keep doing what God had called me to do. But I didn't really think I would be a songwriter. Okay. Because I wanted to be either a doctor or a dentist. I wanted to go, and one summer I worked in a dental lab. I was I was just like interested in because I, I I love people and I, right. I like um, I, I've always had people skills, and so well with, with being a dentist, you'd have a captive audience. They couldn't yeah, go anywhere or say anything, or, or doctors either. You know, <laughs> yeah. you know they're in there and they 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 need to talk. But I just thought that'd be a good career. I loved music, but I always saw it as like sort of a side thing. But then as I got into my teens and started seeing Andre Crouch um, and Dallas Home and Reba. Okay. um, And, you know, some of the some of the artists, the Archers and and Second Chapter of Acts and um, some of these bands, I was like, oh, wow. Now I could do this, mm. you know. I didn't want to be a quartet. Okay. <laughs> I didn't, you know. I, 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 but I, I started liking. The other was just sort of a hobby, and and what I did in church. It was like part of my identity, but not what I did. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, it's just something I'm born to do. But then I got to pick me something else to do. And my dad's mindset was, you need to have a career sure. you know pick a career get you a trade you know that mm-hmm. i mean that you know kids whose, that. kids whose parents were in the depression that's the way they were taught yeah you know you have three or four options to fall back on so right um by the time i got to my senior year in high school we had made a record we were traveling around and singing me and my buddies and and i was starting to realize that this is what i'm supposed to do hmm. And my dad, we built a new church in the little town of Savannah. And my dad, about six weeks out, asked me to write a song for the first Sunday service. So I told dad I would, and then I forgot about it because I had important stuff going on in my 19-year-old life. Mm-hmm. And he you know, asked me a couple of times, Dad, just chill, man. I know when the first Sunday is. Don't worry, I'm going to write your song. On Saturday night, the night before the first Sunday Uh morning service, we had worked all day uh, getting everything ready. It was midnight, and everybody had gone home but me and Mom and Dad. Dad's walking down the hall to his office. I'm walking the other way. And he looks at me with this positive, Mm -hmm. proud smile on his face and said, I can't wait to hear your song in the morning, son. And my heart stopped because I had totally forgotten about it. And I just peeled off and went into the sanctuary and sat down at the new grand piano they had purchased for for the church. And here we are, you know, people are going to start getting there eight hours from now, right? And so I go, go, well, I better not put it off any longer. And I (laughs) sat down, and in about 15 to 20 minutes, God poured all the words and the music into my heart to, We are standing on holy ground and I I went home went to bed got up the next morning woke up because I was the boss Uh woke up my brother who was 16 and my or 17 and my uh, little sister Allison who Uh sings with me now who was like 11 or 12 and taught them the parts on the chorus and we sang it for the first time uh, almost 
40 years ago, about wow. yeah, 39 years ago. So, um, so never imagining it would go beyond that day. Right. Uh, we had great response that day. The people just loved it. But you know, Daddy was happy. I did my thing. Uh-huh. And, you know, we had our first service, and now on to bigger and better things. Right. Mm-hmm. Never imagining that there would come a turn of events, and you talked earlier about uh, about what started this whole podcast, mm-hmm. talking about things along the way. Yeah, I wish so badly I could go back and live my life again, starting at eighteen or nineteen, but with the knowledge I have now. Oh yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know what I'm saying? Because I've learned there were times that I would freak out. I would be in a panic. I, I would like, how are we going to make this happen? And now on the back end of it, I see God had every little detail mm-hmm. in place, and things that didn't even seem significant at the time suddenly became significant right. and and played a part. And later you look back, you know, the old saying is hindsight's always twenty mm-hmm. twenty. So. Um, some friends of mine, a guy and girl that I knew and that were dear friends, he was a preacher. She's a phenomenal singer. Uh, her brother's a great friend of mine. Called me right after that and wanted me to travel that summer with him. And it was Tommy and Jeannie Tenney. Okay. And you know Tommy Tenney wrote the book God Chasers, mm-hmm. and, and he's written many wonderful books, great speaker. Um, he hadn't written any books at that point in time. And I, I showed the song to Jeannie and a, a couple of buddies of mine that played uh, bass and drums, and I played keys. So we were the three-piece combo when we traveled mm-hmm. for a summer. And she loved the song. We did it every single night. Oh, wow. At the end of the summer, she wanted to do a record, a custom record. She recorded five of my songs, Holy Ground being one of them. And I went to the studio, and, and my buddies uh, that played bass and drums did too, and down in Louisiana. I was living in Tennessee with my parents, and we recorded it. And Tommy and Jeannie were friends with Landy and Joy here at Christ Church. Okay. And they got a copy of the record to them. And Linda Hilliard, whose husband, Wayne Hilliard, had a group called Higher Ground. Okay. Uh, Wayne wrote a song that was real significant back in that era called I Am. And, um, and, and Higher Ground was, was, you know, big radio group and mm-hmm. very popular at that time. Linda uh, is the admin pastor here at Christ Church now. But she, at that time, she was working with Landy Gardner in his interior design business at Landy Gardner Interiors. She heard the song and called me and said, is this song published? And I'm like, published we live in savannah we don't know anything (laughs) about publishing she said do you mind if i pitch it to a few publishers and i said no because i knew joy and landy so i trusted her because she was their friend she called back within a couple of days and said tree international which is now sony tree oh um they were the largest holder of country music copyrights in the world they had started a brand new gospel division Hmm. and randy cox was the head of it an amazingly gifted guy and dear friend to this day um he wanted to sign it and they called me i came to nashville and they signed me gary chapman and michael w smith the same week oh wow and it was just this new little company that was starting up but that was the beginning of my journey and it was crazy how God used that summer mm-hmm. 
touring with Tommy and Jeannie, who, you know, nobody really knew back then. I mean, we did. Right. You know, but as far as the world knowing Tommy Tenney now as an author, nobody knew that. Um, and and nobody had any idea what was going to happen with the song. But God took little threads and just began to weave them together and, and brought them together for this song to happen and um, it's been crazy to see how God has through the years taken moments and used them when they seemed insignificant Mm -hmm. to weave together things that later you look back and go that wasn't about my song that was about his purpose that was about his plan and his kingdom and so uh, it's, it's very humbling to look back now and realize that a little kid who only had six weeks of piano lessons in a one-horse town uh-huh. somehow got woven in to a big global plan of God to bring a message to people mm-hmm. for His glory. That's pretty, pretty um, encouraging to anybody out there who feels like they're insignificant. Because yeah. I remember thinking, once I, I kind of started doing some stuff, will anybody ever hear my music? Yeah. Now I've kind of bought into this. I'm going to write. I'm going to. Then how will anybody know me? We don't have connections to the music industry. We don't have, you know. And and yet, you know, here I sit, mm-hmm. 40 years later, and I'm still working. Yeah. Uh, still writing, um, shooting a scene from a for a movie Friday morning. Oh really? Yeah. And uh, that's cool. And and. You know, it's just, I found out this uh, week I'm nominated for another Dove Award. I say I don't say that arrogantly. I say that gratefully yeah. because, you know, I just, I see the hand of God taking, the, you know, um, the Bible says this, and I, I'll, I'll wrap this segment up mm-hmm. uh, with this. There's a scripture that talks about reaping from fields you didn't plant. Mm. Every time I get a good blessing, I remember the seeds my mom and dad sowed into the lives of people building churches for yeah. years. And I realize that a lot of what I'm reaping is is the trickle-down benefit of, of kingdom builder parents. Mm-hmm. But then from that point, the Bible says, if you're faithful over a few things, right. God says, I'll make you ruler over many. I didn't write Holy Ground to try to be a hit. No. I, I was being faithful over what, where I had been planted to serve. And even and as I, a procrastinator, you, you ended up being yes. still faithful with yeah. that. Yeah, and God, you know, one good lesson is God can do more with my last minute than I can with the <laughs> with the six weeks before yeah. it. You know, yeah. so uh, but but to see that I was trying to just serve where I where I was, and and here's an interesting thing: everybody talks about. Um, you know, Bill Clinton heard it, loved it. We sang it at his inauguration. He had it sung at his mother's funeral. It was one of her favorite songs. Hmm. Barbara Streisand was there. I reached up and grabbed his shoulder and said, where did this song come from? She said, I've got to record this song. And she did. Wow. Uh, she went to the Brooklyn Tabernacle and sat in service to hear the choir sing. So she, she wanted to learn how to get that feel hmm. on her record she had Andre Crouch singer sing on it Mervyn Warren one of the original members of Take Six produced it um, the interesting everybody that sees what's happened with Holy Ground 
sees it all in a snapshot. You can say it in about three sentences. Mm-hmm. Wrote it when he was 19, when he was just a teenager. Uh, was recorded. Bill Clinton sung at the inauguration. Barbara Streisand recorded, you know, blah, blah, blah. You can say it in three sentences. But what a lot of people don't know is, from the day I wrote Holy Ground, sitting in that little church in Savannah, Tennessee, mm-hmm. until Barbara Streisand recorded it, 18 years went by. Wow. And it's like David sitting on the backside of a pasture writing songs. Mm-hmm. Seemingly so insignificant that his dad, when asked by the prophet, I feel like God's going to bring the king out of this house. His dad didn't even think him qualified enough to call him. Right. He brought everybody, but is there not anybody else? Well, you know, there is back in the pasture. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what Savannah was. We were back in the pasture. Why wouldn't God go to some big, you know, I tell everybody, you know, why wouldn't God give holy ground to Bill Gaither? Bill Gaither was old 30 years ago. Why, you know, I, I say that jokingly because <laughs> yeah. Bill's my friend. Yeah. But, you know, Bill had a track record even back then because uh, he had been writing a long time. He's older than I am. Mm-hmm. But I love the fact that God always picks people who seem insignificant. Mary, yeah, insignificant teenager from a little town, but, you know, she she was blessed and highly favored. Mm-hmm. God looks for people not so much as what the world looks at to say they've got ability, but he looks for availability. Absolutely. And he, he found me in that little one-horse town and let me write that song, and I've never been able to thank him enough. Yeah. So what are some other songs that you've written? My uh, wife and I have written a few songs together uh, in the presence of Jehovah, is a uh, is a song that um, one of the first songs we wrote to, together. We were moving. We <laughs> we had been in uh, Dallas, Texas. Dan Dean, who's one third of Phillips, Craig and Dean. Okay. We we had worked for his father in law at the church that Dan now pastors. Dan and his wife Becky were friends of ours, and uh, we were moving from that church to a church in Alexandria, Louisiana. We had everything we owned in uh, the smallest truck U-Haul makes yeah. and a used Caprice Classic Chevrolet. And uh, I'm driving the U-Haul truck and Becky's driving the Chevrolet. And we're going down the road, don't really have much, just excited about being together because she was my best friend and my favorite singer and mm-hmm. um, so we're going to this new place big church to to work and riding down the road I just started writing we're in the presence the presence of Jehovah The presence 
got to where we were going, I taught it to the, a yeah. small group of singers, and Becky uh, came to me a couple of days later, and she said, I've got this verse idea, and she had written, In and out of situations that tug of war in me, all day long I struggle for answers that I need, but then I come into his presence. And all my questions become clear And for a sacred moment No doubt can interfere She read me those words and if I had had any random distant thoughts about ever leaving her they were all <laughs> dashed immediately and i fell in love with her all over again yeah. i sat down and wrote the music to those and then i wrote the wow. second verse but um and and we started writing songs together um then we when i signed holy ground stephen b taylor who produced a group called truth which is a big popular group back in that day um they you know they wanted to start recording our songs and Steve called me one day and said, hey, I'm going in the studio with Truth. Uh, do you have any songs? And man, they were, they were just one of the real popular groups back then. And I wanted, to, um, I wanted to get a song on their project. So I sat down at the piano. And that's back when we had the little ghetto blasters with a cassette tape in them. And I stuck a blank cassette in and pressed play and record. And in about 20 to 25 minutes, I um, wrote a song. And I ran to FedEx, stuck it in the envelope, sent it to Nashville. Then I got to thinking about it. I thought, I can make that song better. That's stupid to not spend more time on it than that. So I called Linda Hilliard, my friend uh -huh. here, and said, hey, tell Truth not to record the song. I, I, I think I can make it better. I like the idea, but I think I can make it better. So she said, okay, I'll tell him. So about three weeks later, she goes, oh, by the way, Truth loved the song. They recorded it. I had been so intent on getting that song to them that I made one copy, stuck all my copies in that envelope and yeah. sent it to Nashville. And you didn't have any And three weeks later, she says that I couldn't even remember how the song went. <laughs> so no, no lie, I waited for Truth's record to come out and went down to Living Vine Bookstore in oh Irving, gosh. Texas and bought the record and took it home so I could remember <laughs> how my song went. What's funny is it wound up being a chart song, a radio song for him. It goes like this. Gentle hands holding on to me. Gentle hands guiding me so carefully and though they lead me down through paths that I don't always understand I will have no fear for I'm in gentle hands and um, I've had so many people send me letters and uh, now emails and whatever that that song got them through um, a death mm. um, 
you know, a tragedy, uh, a sickness, something that we're going through. And so uh, it, it's real interesting how God used, used those things. I was sitting in my office one day at the church in Louisiana. Yeah. And my, the music suite was at the top of the stairs. At the bottom of the stairs, there was this big room that they used as a prayer room and everything that led into the sanctuary by the stage. And um, my office door was open and I heard a lady... Um, I heard some praying, and then it got in like really intensified, you know. And I could just hear these women's voices praying. And so I get up and go downstairs, and um, and uh, to see what's going on, you know, because I mean, you you hear people pray, and then you hear it's like the difference when your kids are just whining, right. and then when there's something wrong, you know, it's right. a different kind of sound. So I go downstairs, and one of the ladies I recognize as a member of the church, and she said, "Oh, hey, brother Jaron." I said, how are you ladies doing? She said, we're fine. Come meet my friend. This is my friend and introduce me. I work with her. And she was telling me about some of the problems she was having. Mm. I told her, well, God can God can answer your problems. He can meet your need. So we came by on our lunch break and we've just had the best time in prayer. And they both had tears on their mm. faces. But they were smiling and, and it just felt good yeah. in the room, you know. And so I'll go back up to my office and I start sitting there and I think, you know, if she had tried to call at 11.30 to get an appointment with the pastor, mm. you know, we were, we were a church of 2,000. Probably couldn't have got one. Mm. If she'd have called to get an appointment with me, my secretary would have told her, you know, when do you want to come? Later this week or next week? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But with no advance notice, mm. she had an appointment with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's All good. because of what Jesus did on a cross and the veil was torn. And now everybody has access yeah. to the Holy of Holies. And so I got up out of my desk, walked into the choir room, sat down at the piano. And I wrote, I can go into the Holy of Holies. I can kneel and make my petition. And although I'm just a common man, because of God's redemption plan, I can boldly approach the throne. Never imagining that song would be nominated for a Dove Award one uh, a few years later. And that piano in that choir room, uh, my friends, the Neelands, you, you're familiar with the Neelands. They're one of the top Southern gospel groups. Okay. And they're on the Gaither videos. And and, um, and they called. They had heard my songs and wanted to know if I had anything. So I sent them uh, a few songs. And I had written this song for a, a group of four older people in our church. They were old enough that they couldn't learn new songs. Mm-hmm. And they'd have to pull out words, and the, but the letters had to be bigger, you know. Yeah, and, and yeah. So I thought, unless it was just simple, simple, simple. So we were getting ready for the Christmas concert, and I thought, we they had sung "Beautiful Star of Bethlehem" the last three years, mm-hmm. and I said, "By George, they're not singing <laughs> "Beautiful Star of Bethlehem" again." And so I had sat down at the piano and wrote them a song, um, and. Uh, 
for them to sing and and I, I thought okay they can they can do this one and I and then the Neelands called and I thought I almost didn't put this one on there because it was just so simple mm-hmm. you know it was written as a quick fix for you know older sure, people to sure. learn easily but I stuck it on there just as an afterthought almost they recorded it and it wound up going to the number one spot in the nation it became i mean i have a plaque with number one it was the in the singing news it was the number one song and it was just a little song that says i'm glad i know who jesus is i'm glad i know who jesus is he's more than just a story he's the king of glory and i'm glad So it seems like I have this gift or quirk or mm-hmm. curse. I don't know what it is. <laughs> of, of things that I do in a hurry somehow do great. And, you know, holy ground. And and, and uh, I'm glad I know who Jesus is. You know, all, all these have gone. And do you I think wrote, it's because Jaron got out of the way and of God course it is. it? Of course it is. I teach that in in um, writing classes at worship conferences and writing seminars that, you know, I think God lets me um, write enough stuff because I believe he says study to show yourself approved. Absolutely, yeah. every, every good gift comes from him. That's that's obvious. So, but And he'll let me do, you know, write eight or ten. And they're good, mm-hmm. and they do good because I've, I've worked hard to get to yeah. where and, and, and studied under people who've made me better. But then... In the last minute, he'll throw one on me, and mm. and it'll be the best one on the whole record, you know. Yeah. And 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 I said it's just God's way of going. Lest you get up on a really high horse, young man. <laughs> let me show you what I can do in the last minute. Yeah. You know. But it's also a good reminder that I'm not doing this by myself. Mm. That he does have his hand. He does rule and reign in the affairs of men. And I've seen him um, on this journey. You know, the music industry, the music business, music ministry, ministry in general is not easy. Anything these days is not easy. But I've seen God come through in so many ways um, when we would be at a transition. And, you know, when we were transitioning from Dallas to to Louisiana, it was a little bit scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, I, you know, I was going to a church where the the two people playing piano in Oregon had been playing at that church longer than I had been alive. I mean, we're talking about some people who were, you know, rooted in their positions. And yeah. here this young kid is in my 20s going in to do this. You know, I should have been terrified. I guess I was too young and stupid to be terrified to even know I should be. But it's amazing how God gave me wisdom beyond my years, mm-hmm. and those people became my best friends. Mm. And to this day, I love them. They love me. Um, it's just interesting how when we left there, uh, we'd been there 13 years, had some incredible things happen there. Uh, Mercy saw me. Uh, Holy of Holies, I Know the Peace Speaker, um, In the Presence of Jehovah, all songs that were ascended on down, all songs that we wrote um, when uh, we were um, there yeah. at, that, um, at that place. And so it had become a comfort zone. Mm. And, um, you know, when, when it's time for transition, 
if where you've been is bad it's easy to transition then it's easy to go the ladder is going to be greater than a former i'm ready to go to the greater yeah but when where you've been is great and you feel the being led to transition yeah it's like i I don't want to transition this is really good (laughs) this is better than i've ever had it Uh uh-huh i'm making more money than i've ever made i'm i like the people better than anybody i've ever liked before i you know uh we've got the biggest house we've ever had you know my boss and i are i mean whatever your i love this is in your life um my kids love this place Mm -hmm. whatever your best is when it's at the top of the game, but you feel God moving you to another season, mm. that's when it's about trust. And you have to say, like you said earlier, God's going, do you trust me? I, I have to believe that the latter will be, although I'm having more blessing in my life now than I've ever had. Yeah, He's nowhere near running short on additional blessings to pour out on me mm. i'm thinking it can't get any better than this i i wanted amy grant or sandy patty to record holy ground i never even dreamed about barbara streisand <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah yeah i thought i was dreaming big and god goes dude sit down sit your little stupid self down for a minute and let god show you what dreaming big looks like oh my gosh yeah and 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 so i've learned in all these years that's why i said i wish i could go back and relive life knowing what i know when we left that church my wife's brother had been sick Mm. and uh with cancer uh for 18 months and then he died uh, at the age of 30, and her dad had passed away uh, six months before he found out he had cancer very suddenly. And um, and so it was just like blow after blow. So yeah. her brother found out he had cancer in a two-week time period when he didn't have um, when he didn't have insurance. And so, you know, the family had done everything we could to help make sure he got the best of care and glad to do it. Everybody wanted to. But um, so we had sent in our taxes we paid credit card bills down we we were doing this thing we had walked away from our job Mm. we still live in louisiana had not moved to nashville yet but we get a tax bill that's nine thousand dollars and what year is this this is when we had just left um our job in alexandria before we moved here so this would be like 26 years ago Wow. Um, yeah. And my son, my son was uh, uh, two, mm-hmm. and uh, my daughter was uh, six. And so we had left a job. We got two little kids. Mm-hmm. We were putting every bit of royalties. I mean, we were starting to make some royalties, but not, not big money, you right. know. And we had put all of that on paying off all this debt we'd incurred you know Mm -hmm. for helping uh, take care of uh, him and becky asked me i was getting on a plane to go to a conference in california and she said what are we gonna do i mean at that point it might as well have said ninety thousand because we could come up with 90 about as easy as we could nine thousand nine thousand we were like what we'd based it on what we thought it would be based on the year before so we were like, oh, my word. And I told, I told Becky, I said, mm-hmm. I know this. God didn't bring us here to saw the lamb out from under us. 
He's never let us down. I got on the plane. Becky stayed there. And I, I said, I had to talk with God. I said, God, come on, man. <laughs> you know, I'm trusting you. I don't have anywhere to turn. I don't have anywhere to pull it from. And uh, I get out to the conference. And Craig Dunnigan, with, uh, who was with um, Integrity at the time, came to me and said, have you gotten your latest ASCAP statement? And I said, no. I, I had a few radio things, but mm -hmm. I didn't do a lot of ASCAP yeah. money, you know, minimal. And I said, no, not yet. He said, well, I think you're going to be pleased. ASCAP has done uh, a different kind of scan, the uh, trial thing, this quarter. And I and said, I think you're going to be pleased and i said oh okay mm -hmm. and uh, i mean my my biggest ass cap out of fortune i i might make a total of at that point in time five thousand dollars a year okay so and ass cap is the american society of composers authors and publishers okay there are three that call them pros the performance rights organizations mm -hmm. um ASCAP, csac and bmi mm -hmm. and they handle radio television any kind of broadcast okay. um, uh, music that that they collect for that. Uh, right. The publisher collects for print, okay. you know, books, sheet music, that kind of thing. So, um, so I, I called Becky. I said, "Well, you know, has, has anything come from ASCAP? No, not yet. Uh, okay. Well, Craig said it, it, he thinks it's going to be good. So I said that'll be something to go on sure. it. You know, I thought even if it's a thousand bucks, it's right. you know, it's, hell, it's better than yeah." She called me the next morning, and she said, if you hadn't warned me, I would have fallen out cold in the floor of the post office. Mm. I said, really? She said, guess how much your ASCAP check was? I go, I'll shoot high, $1,000. <laughs> she said, well, now let me tell you, this is a song you and I wrote together. Uh -huh. So I got one ASCAP check and you got one ASCAP check. They're both the same amount because it's 50-50 on the song. Right, right. I said, oh, okay, so 500 Yeah. She said, $12,500. I go, oh, my gosh, you get half that and I get... She says, no, that's your check. My check's the same amount. <laughs> no way. We got $25,000. Oh, my gosh from something we had never gotten that kind of money mm -hmm. on at a time when we were facing a crisis, but we had gone to the next season. Wow. And you know what the song title was? And th when my wife read me the title, she started crying. Mm -hmm. And she said, I'll never doubt him again. The song title was, What He Is Will Never Change. Mm. And he has kept us, even when we didn't understand, when we had questions, we, uh, we would, we, there, there have been many times, I'm going to tell you, you know, th then we, at that time, we thought we knew what trouble was. Yeah. We'd never even raised teenagers at that point. So, <laughs> so you know, we've really learned what, um, what trouble's like. Yeah. But in that trouble, in those times, we've learned that, um, He's, he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, and he never leaves, never forsakes us. Closer than a brother, he's kind and true. A friend who's there when other friends have gone. 
Chinese defender of his own. A mighty tower, a fortress great and strong. And what he is will never change. What he is will never change. He is truth and truth remains. What he is will never change. I want to say to anybody listening, whether you're a writer, whether you're a singer, whether you're a pastor, whether you're a factory worker, if you're a believer, if you're a believer whose faith has been shaken, I want to let you know what God's done for me, He'll do for you. He doesn't love me any more than He loves you. He took a little country boy with not very much to offer him and said, I'm going to use you, not because of what I had to give him, but because He knew that I would trust Him and give Him all the glory. And so I encourage you, I don't care how bleak the situation is, the same God that caused the sun to rise this morning, the same God that'll make the moon come out tonight and put all the stars in place, that same God loves you and wants to keep His hand in your life. And I'm here to let you know, if you totally trust Him, casting all your cares on Him because He cares for you, you're going to discover that what He is will never change. And next week you can say, what He is will never change. And a year from now you can tell somebody, He is truth and truth remains. That's beautiful. And that is such an appropriate song for God to do that miracle with. Yes. And that's because it never was a big song. <laughs> it never was a big song. It had just gotten randomly picked up on some network. Yeah. And they used it to calculate things. They were trying this new system oh, wow. where we kind of project and and so it wasn't necessarily based on even that the usage of that song. It was a random title. Random? I think not. Mm -mm. That was God telling two young kids who were terrified yeah. in, in the middle of transition that I got you. Yeah. I'm never going to change. And I'll always have you. And uh, it was a great lesson for us. Yeah. And, and we've had to depend on him. Um, I'm not going to say we've never gotten scared or worried or concerned mm -hmm. since then, but it's always been something we've gone back to. In the Bible, when something significant happened, they would build an altar right. so that everybody who came along there or every time they passed that way again, they would be reminded of what God did then. We built an altar on that, on that moment, and we've gone back to it many times to oh, say, yeah. okay, God, you did this. Do it again because he is the same. That's amazing. Jaron, how does God speak to you? And do you remember the first thing that God spoke to you? You know, ha having grown up in church, um, 
I don't remember necessarily the first time God spoke to me, but I remember even as a kid when my hands would barely reach, I would go up during altar service uh-huh. and people and want to touch the piano. And, and I remember a lady showing me which notes to do because I just wanted to touch them. I wasn't banging. Yeah. And she would show me what key she was in. And I could barely reach up. I mean, my hands are above my head doing that. But I would stand there with tears running down mm. my face because I felt the presence of the Lord. Mm. And I wanted to respond with music. You know, and then why would I ever want to be a doctor? That should have been a clue to me, right? <laughs> Music is how you talk to God, brother. Oh, my gosh, but, yeah. But um, I, remember, I remember as a kid so many significant moments, but a lot of my song ideas have come in church from sermons, mm-hmm. listening to pastors on podcasts, um, li- you know, watching TV, sitting in a service, um, it, it just in those times of worship I, I get so many ideas that I just yeah. that I just write down so God God talks to me in many different ways sometimes he talks loudly mm-hmm. you know with holy ground he spit it out it was an instant download yeah with peace speaker it was a um, uh, he gave me a chorus on the way to the funeral of a friend mm-hmm. who had died way too early from a brain tumor and I, I, I wrote the chorus for his, the first verse in the chorus for his family that we sang. But it took me two years to get the second verse. Mm. So, I, you know, I, I never really know how God's going to do it. The song that's nominated for a Dove Award this year is a song that I wrote with some friends of mine, Wayne Hahn, Joel Lindsay, and Taranda Green. And um, we were in New York in a writing room, and Taranda said she wanted to write a song about the second coming, but not call it rapture or second mm-hmm. coming. She said, like uh, healing, like when the healing comes, when you know things are made right and everything yeah. is fixed. And so we sat there, and Joel and Wayne are phenomenal writers and, and longtime friends of mine. So we're sitting there, and all four of us are working on lyrics. And it takes about an hour and a half, and we get it done. It's about time for the day to be over. Taranda wants to go to the restroom. And sitting in the uh, studio in New York, while she's in the bathroom, I just sit down and start. The earth, she groans in fear, with war and hunger here. The right seems very wrong, the weak crushed by the strong. Souls in exile And in like 10 minutes, I wrote the music to this thing. And and so I know in those moments, regardless of where I am, yeah. that's God. Yeah. That is a download from the Lord. And uh, and so he usually speaks to me through lyrics and music. He's, he's spoken to me in other ways, too. But 
it's never a a set thing. I think if it were, if it were, somebody asked Buck Rambo one time about Dottie's songwriting. You know, one of the greatest lyricists of all times. I uh, said, you know, where does where does Dottie get all those songs? He said, don't you think if I knew I'd go get a few for myself? <laughs> you know, there is no rhyme or reason. It just yeah. happens when it happens. But there's no doubt in my mind that it's God. Wow, Jared. Through our conversation, we've covered pretty much all the questions that I normally ask, which is awesome, including the, if you could go back to yourself in the past, what advice would you give yourself? And could you just kind of wrap that up for us? If you could go back in time and speak to yourself, what would you, what exactly would you say you, to yourself? You know what I would say to a younger self, if I knew everything I knew, yeah. I knew now, um, don't fret, don't sweat, and don't forget. Don't fret because it's not, it's not all in your hands. Mm. You've got someone who has told you, cast all your cares on me, I'll care for you. You've got someone who said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You've got someone who said, I'll stick closer than a brother. And so there's no need to fret. He's got this. He said that he would not. It's like the disciples who, when Jesus told them in the boat, when they started, mm-hmm. oh, don't you care that we would die? And he said, oh, ye of little faith. He didn't say that because they had gotten fearful. He said it because in half the journey, they had forgotten that when they got in the boat, he said, come on, boys, let's go to the other side. Mm-hmm. He had already declared we're going to the other right. side. But before they got there, they said, are you going to let us die? It's like, guys. And I heard one old preacher say, he calmed the storm because he knew it would be easier to calm the winds and waves than, than to calm the disciples. So, <laughs> so you know, people have, we have a tendency to fret. Yeah. And, and all that does is suck the joy out of this moment of life. Mm-hmm. And it's the devil's way of causing me to be you know, to fret. So I have no joy. I'm, I'm worried. It's anxiety. It's, it's, you know, all, all of the stress. Yeah. Um, and, and so I would tell my younger self, don't fret. Mm. Even if you don't see the answer, don't fret. It would be don't sweat. Don't, don't try to work harder than is necessary because you can only do what you can do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people, we as we as human beings, think we have to do what God. And what you're hearing in the background <laughs> is Christchurch Choir coming in to have rehearsal. We're in the Christchurch. Uh, we're in Christchurch, sitting on the platform, and the choir room is up behind uh-huh. the platform, and, and they're, they're all coming in from practice, all angles. Yeah. yeah, it's Wednesday night, it's, so yeah. they're all they're all coming in. But um, I've tried to I've tried to make things happen before mm-hmm. for God. You know, I do my part, and then I try to do God's. God's not a slot machine. No. You don't you don't put in your money and put in your request. He wants you to sit down and have a relationship. Exactly. Talk to yeah. him. And don't try to tell him what to do. Here, God, yeah, I've worked this out. Do this, and we'll be good. Mm-hmm. He says, why don't you ask me, you know, what do you, want me, what, what do you want to do, God? Where do you want me to go? So I wouldn't try to sweat by doing God's God's job. I would do my everything I could, put it in God's hands, and rest there. Then I wouldn't forget. Mm-hmm. I, I won't forget. The Bible says, 
bless the Lord and forget not mm. all his benefits. He has got more benefits for you and there's no there's no expiration date on them. And so just don't forget what he's done, don't forget what he's capable of, don't forget what he's promised. Yeah. And don't sweat, relax, don't fret. He's got you. I like that. I think I won't forget that one. <laughs> that's a t-shirt. It, it is. That's it a is. tour shirt, isn't it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> don't yeah. fret, don't sweat, and don't forget. That's great. Jaron, do you have a, a life verse? You know, I have I have a couple, but one of my one of my favorites, um, because it's it's the hardest. It doesn't seem the hardest, but for people like me who feel like my wife says if I ever sense for a moment somebody's not in charge I tend to nominate myself Mm -hmm. it's just being raised in a pastor's home it's being a pastor on staff for 15 years I I just have this thing of wanting to go go, y'all y'all do that Mm y'all you know sit over there hey why don't we do this you know it's just my nature so it's hard for me sometimes to sit and when I don't know what's going on I'd rather you tell me no than wait Mm. Okay. So the two scriptures that are my life scriptures that mean a lot to me are trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Is that one? Mm-hmm. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's hard for me sometimes. I want Him to tell me what He's going to do. But yeah. don't ask me to trust. Yeah. And then don't tell me. At least <laughs> send me a list so I know where we're going, right? Yeah. You know, it's like getting in a car and going, I'm just going to give you turn by turn, but I'm not going to let you know what the destination is. Well, no, I want to know, you know, yeah, that, that, yeah. That's, it's hard for me to, to give up control. And then the other one would be, um, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and mount up with wings as eagles. They'll run and not be weary, walk and not faint. You know, I, I tend to be a doer, a fixer. Yeah. And if I get to a mountain and I can't see a way around, and I can't see a way over, by George, I'll go rent a drill, mm-hmm. a big old, yeah. one of those big old earth-moving machines, and I'll drill and tunnel my way through that mountain. Yeah. Will God let me? Will God let me get to the other side? Yeah. Because mm. he said he'll give you the desires of your heart. But at what cost? Mm. To me physically, yeah. to me spiritually, relationally, the people around me that have to put up with me while I'm digging through this solid wall of rock. When, if I had just waited mm-hmm. on the Lord, the Bible says in that scripture, you'll mount up with wings, not as a sparrow, <laughs> as an eagle. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen a mountain that was any kind of challenge for an eagle. They just soar right over it. That's good. So a lot of times in, in the not waiting and digging through, we lose the opportunity for God to renew us, mm. to renew our strength, and then fit us with wings so that what took weeks to tunnel through, we could soar over in about three minutes. <laughs> and so, I, you know, that, that's a tough one for me sometimes, yeah. and learning to wait because I equate, having grown up in ministry, I equate doing with plan of God. And sometimes he just wants you to sit, be still, and know that I'm God. Mm-hmm. And the be still part is tough for me. The waiting is tough for me. Trusting yeah. is tough for me. But, you know, 
one day I'll get it. About the time I die, I'll finally get it, and then and then you go. You know, you mm-hmm. don't you don't. Uh, but I, and you have no choice to, but to be still. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. You'll be, when they put you in that box and shut the lid, you'll be still. But but trying to trying to trust him is is yeah. a challenge. But in the times I've been able to do it, I've seen him do things that are so sweet and so wonderful and i go wow i i just you know thank you jesus and help me to learn this better and yeah um, my wife and kids have tried to tell me you're not perfect dad but sometimes i think i am (laughs) and i want to tell god what to do isn't that funny we want to that's like the lady who came to the 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 uh, lady who came to the well in the middle of the day um that had five kids behind her all looking like a different daddy you know, and, and uh, Jesus was sitting at the well, and um, he he said, uh, "Give me a drink." She said, "Why are you a Samaritan talking to me?" And he said, "If you knew who was asking you this, you would have." And this woman yeah. who is not the best reputation in town. Um, coming in the middle of the day just to avoid the crowd. Nobody went to the well in the middle of the day. They went in the morning mm-hmm. or evening because of the cool right. temperatures. So she did, she was avoiding people. People, and 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 her first reaction is, "Well, you Jews say we worship," and I'm going like, "Lady, you're wanting to talk the word with the word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Jesus was the word became flesh." And it's like that that sometimes we as human beings want to tell God what to do. You know, yeah. I think we need to it's like, dude, just shut up, sit down and let God be God. So I, I've I've tried to I've tried to learn from um those um those moments, but those scriptures have meant a lot to me and I'm trying my best and hope hopefully by the time I'm eighty or eighty five I'll have <laughs> have it mastered a little better. Yeah. Do you have any books that you would recommend for me? You know what? Um, some of my favorite books have been that I've gotten so many, so many song ideas, uh, books that make me laugh and cry, uh, and and on a plane with other people that can get some weird looks at you. One minute you're laughing, the next uh-huh. minute you're sobbing and blowing snot. You know that's, yeah. that's people think, "Ooh, who am I sitting next to?" Max Lucado mm. um, is such a great writer, but he has. A book called No Wonder They Call Him the Savior, and he has a book called Six Hours, One Friday, mm-hmm. and then he has a book called The Applause of Heaven. All of the, those three books have um, have meant a lot to me. He's a he's a phenomenal writer, yeah. just a phenomenal writer. But his writing um, is just in such a way that it just speaks to the heart and speaks to the spirit and. He's, he's been a big blessing to me. Yeah. Well, Jaron, thank you so much for being a blessing to me and allowing me to join along your way and just kind of give me a snapshot of your life and how God has used you in music. And thank you for sharing some of those songs as well. That's really special. I appreciate that. Well, and I, I, I enjoyed it, John. I always love being with you, man. This was one of those times that I wish this was also a video podcast. My time with Jaron was amazing. You heard us mention that the Christ Church Choir was starting their practice as we were finishing up our conversation. Jaron introduced me to the choir, and they all of a sudden surprised him by doing one of his songs. And then the director asked him to help them work out a few parts. It was so much fun to see someone with such a God-given gift flow in that ability. 
Jaren continues to use his musical gift for the kingdom, and I can tell you firsthand that he makes sure that he has fun along the way. His personal stories of learning new facets of God's character and then writing that into song were such a blessing to hear directly from him. There is much more blessing going through the journey than we anticipate because it makes us all the more grateful when we reach our destination. Jaren's story of how God has used his song, Holy Ground, is almost unbelievable, but it's totally true. Barbara Streisand really did record his song with the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. God has taken that song way beyond what Jaren thought possible. When I hear a story like that, it makes me wonder, what has God given me and you that he wants to do more with than we can imagine? If we will trust him with that and let him promote it, he will be faithful to make it happen. The songs that Jaron played for us were songs of prayer and response to God. Holding on to the promise of what he is will never change is something that Jaron and his wife Becky will never let go of. Sometimes I need to be reminded that God's gentle hands are holding on to me and I don't need to fear for I am in his gentle hands. How do we respond to our situations? Do we put our trust in God's hands? I know I don't always, but I need to. If you're like me, you probably need to improve in this as well. I'm asking God to help me trust him more and respond in faith, no matter what my circumstances may be. You can do that too. It's simple, even though it's not easy, but I promise you it's worth it. God wants relationship with us, and that makes it easier to trust the Lord with all our heart and lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. As Jaron so eloquently said, don't fret, don't sweat, and don't forget. If you'd like more information about Jaron, I'll be providing his links as well as the book recommendations in the show notes. Thank you for listening to Along the Way. If you've enjoyed joining me along my way, please share this with a friend who you think will be encouraged by this podcast. Also, please rate and review Along the Way on iTunes. It helps more people discover Along the Way. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and through my website, alongtheway.media. You can always email me at johnalongtheway at gmail.com. I want to leave you with something special. I recorded a little bit of the choir at Christ Church surprising Jaron with one of his own songs and then asking him to help them a little bit. This was a real treat. Here's the Christ Church Choir with House of Prayer.
you've enjoyed this part of my journey and may you realize when Jesus is walking with you along your way.